talked about you last Sunday, and Pastor, we had we had a ministerial meeting on on Tuesday, eight ways gateways, and, and Pastor um, George Groves had asked, "Well, have you heard how Martha's doing?" And I said, "The last word I I'd heard, I thought thought she was out of the country or so." And um, you know, before we gear up, Martha, would you like to give a maybe a a brief testimony or what what has been going on do you feel comfortable coming up to one of the mics and kind of is that far left my left okay that's strong okay you feel comfortable martha going to that pulpit and uh i i left from here i went to texas to help my daughter out but I'm back now to see how I can get my house fixed to sell it. So it wasn't anything much. I just went to go help her. And I came down with her two children, with two grandchildren, one year and one month. So that's what I'll be doing until I leave from here. That's all I have. Well, welcome back. What's that? Did you come with a little baby, and was a little baby calling you while you were preaching? Thanks, Jeannie, for, um, Jeannie's got a grandmother's heart there, too, mother's heart. We can say we, would you, would you say, Jeannie, that's like, like six-month-old baby? How old is the baby? One month. So we're worshiping all the way from one month. One month. Amen. One month, one month. Not too many young congregations can boast about a little one. One month old. And that, that is a grandchild, right? Grandchild, grandchild. And keep um, keen on your thoughts and prayers. Mike you said that she's not feeling well at all. Kind of recuperates on the weekends and during the week. Tries to be at, and Diane, how's Diane doing? Mom. Were you able to get a hold of her this week? Yeah. Oh, good, good. So good to see Marie. We missed her at um, Sunday school. She's a regular. We want to welcome all those by way of television. We realize that this may be your only opportunity to hear some hymns and scripture being read and sermons and the scripture being expounded. And we consider it a real ministry to be able to come into your homes. We receive a lot of positive feedback. If there's something that we could be doing better, let us know. We, again, thank you for joining us by way of television and radio and YouTube and all the other means of communication to get the, the word out there. Very conservative, biblical church. We stand in the word of God with the four principles of John Wesley is scripture, tradition, reason, and experience. And we gotta try to balance all those by scripture uh, tradition and reason and experience so at that again welcome we honor your prayers and any financial gifts we because of covid and other circumstances in our church our child robin child care is closed is closing the next month and we're going to have some facilities that are available for rent and we're kind of dependent also upon that that rent to keep our doors open so do keep 
us in prayer financially and, and prayer-wise because we realize that this is kind of a, a real tool for you to worship. And at that, we're going to turn to our opening hymn, We Praise Thee, O God. It's August 8th. It's Love Divine, All Loves Selling Purple Hymnals. Purple Hymnals, number 384. 384. If you feel comfortable standing, you may want to stand. And we normally turn to our praise song when we're seated. Um, Love Divine, All Loves Excelling. Purple Hymnal, number 384, please. Purple Hymnal, number 384, please.
thank you. You may be seated. Love divine, all loves excelling. Let us turn now to our praise song, spirit song, purple hymnals, number 347, please. certainly one of my favorites uh, spirit song as we prepare to turn to our scripture our scripture reading will be from revelation chapter 5 and it's printed in your bulletins actually printed in your bulletins for those of you who are joining us by by other forms of media television or radio you want to prepare turn to revelations chapter 5 we're going to be talking about uh, a number of items today that are biblical questions about about the trumpets in the Bible and about the vials in the Bible and the bowls, how God is letting us know that 
during the difficult times that he's always been with his people and, and guided them and, and directed them in righteousness. Let's go before the Lord. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, through Jesus Christ, you overcame death, and you opened to us the gates of eternal and everlasting life. Grant that we, as we worship, who celebrate the day of all days, the Lord's resurrection, we come, we are resurrection people. By the renewing of your spirit, arise from the death of sin to the life of righteousness through Jesus Christ, our Lord. For Almighty God, you give us the joy of celebrating each and every Sunday the Lord's resurrection. You give us also the joys of life in your service and bring us at last to the full joy of life eternal through Jesus Christ, our Lord. We pray for members of our congregation who are not here today, who are traveling, Gary and Kathy, and they're kind of having a family-type weeks, vacation, and, and as they gather, we just pray that it would be a blessed time of renewal. We thank you for Joe and his ministry at the county fair, and we, we thank you for Martha being here and the little one. We, we thank you, Lord, for the legacy of, of worship. We thank you for the various age groups represented here from elderly senior citizens to just a newborns. We, we pray, Father, that you would guide and direct us during our worship service today. We pray that you would bless the scripture as we prepare to read it from Revelation chapter 5 as we talk about the trumpets and various things that are going to be going on in the latter days of this earth. We ask, O oh Lord, that you would minister to us today. There are many, many needs that we are aware of, and there are needs that we are not aware of. We thank you for the successful surgery of, of Marie Waite and the many people that are inquiring of Marie Waite, and we thank you, Father, that this prayer warrior, as she was blessed by the prayers of many people, she blesses many people. We thank you for our Sunday school class and Ira and daughter and those who gathered by way of telephone and Zoom. We, we just pray, Father, that we would continue to support our Sunday school classes and, and by our prayers and our presence. We pray for our, our worship service, Lord. We pray for Nancy and Robin Childcare and J-Hop, and we pray as Nancy transitions to retirement, and we pray for those who would be interested in renting our, our facility, that they would contact us, and that we would all be in prayer and we publicize the, the need that we have to supplement our, our budget here. Many times our outgo seems to exceed our income, and we just pray, Father, that you would urge us to pray, and we don't know what may what the future may hold, but we thank you, Father, that you you are holding the future. And as we see the world coming apart, we know that things are coming together in, in your world and your plan. We pray all these things in thy holy name, praying for the various ministry needs and the, that have called and let us know the need for prayer, the Diane, Mike's mother, Mike's mom, John and Helen Ryder, Dr. Joel Thompson, Elsie Boquist, um, 
Margaret Pearson, as we pray for Kathy Krause and my daughter Hope, Tabor Ashenbrenner, we pray, Father, that you'd continue to remind us of the, the needs of those that, that just really need a touch and encouragement from thee. We pray, Father, your blessing now upon the word of God, Revelation chapter 5, as you've taught us all to pray, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. If you're joining us by other means of communication, the various airways. Again, I remind you that it's really kind of important to not only listen to the Word of God being read, but just actually looking at Scripture and making sure that we are always complying with, with God's Word. We don't take anything, we don't try to be isogesis and take, you know, try to read something in the Scripture that's not there, but we like to exergete the Scripture. And there is the, for the convenience of those who have bulletins, you'll notice that scripture is printed out in kind of the scripture preliminaries before and after, and we just took this segment, as many have asked about, about the certain attributes of Revelation chapter 5. They're printed on your bulletin insert, and then some meditations that we get from Cathedral Press is on the other side. It's um, very um, helpful to discern the Word of God and what God has to say and how Christians uniting in prayer are blessed in the power of prayer. So reading from God's Word according to Revelation chapter 5. Then I saw in the right hand of the one seated on the throne a scroll. I'll be elaborating on scrolls, you know, before, before scrolls, they were just like printed on, on leather and, and just parchment. Before many of us were aware of books, there were scrolls. And scroll that was written on the inside and on the back, you can picture this now, scroll, was sealed with the seven seals. Now there's significance of seven means completion and finishing. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy? The question comes out, who is worthy to open the scroll and break the seal so that one can read the contents? And no one in heaven or earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep. Now this is John who's written the book of Revelation. And it says, I began, John began to weep bitterly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. Then one of the elders said to me, do not weep, John, and we should not weep. See the Lord, or the lion, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has conquered so that he can open the scroll and it's seven seals, talking, referring to Jesus here. Then I saw between the throne 
and the four living creatures, and among the elders a lamb, standing as if it had been slaughtered, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits, the seven spirits of God sent into all the earth. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of the one who was seated on the throne. When he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers, prayers of the saints. They sing a new song, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slaughtered, and by your blood you ransomed for God. Saints, saints from every tribe and language and people and nation, you have made them to be a kingdom and priests serving our God, and they will reign on earth. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels surrounding the throne, and the living creatures and the elders, they numbered myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, singing, singing with a full voice, worthy as a lamb that was slaughtered, to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might, and honor and glory and blessing. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them singing to the one seated on the throne and to the Lamb. Be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. May God bless the reading and the hearing of his word. And at this time, I'll call on Mike. And we've kind of really approached the book of Revelation during our, our Zoom and our, our, our focus meetings and our Wednesday night Bible studies. And this is going to be new, new to most of us, but it's, it's really relevant because it seems to be occurring right now, Mike. Good morning, brothers and sisters. Good morning. John had described what the environment was around the throne of God in chapter 4. But on chapter 5, he gets more specific. He wants to talk about the, th the throne itself and the scroll that the person on the thro throne was holding it had seven seals. Now this scroll wasn't like other scrolls in Hebrew culture. Usually they're only written on one side. The scroll on the throne had was written on both sides. And I imagine that writing the entire book of Revelation would take both sides of the scroll. Now for the remainder of chapter 5, we can read that this scroll contains the written word of God's judgment on all the even evil and the wicked. It contained all the godly details from the book of Revelation. The angel at the scene boldly asked, who is worthy of breaking the seals, opening and reading the scroll? John started to cry. I thought, well, why did John cry? Because he didn't know who would be worthy. Well, he did, but he didn't realize it. One of the elders stood and asked him to stop crying and announced the two characteristics necessary of the person to open the scroll. Those were being the conquering root of David and also the lion from the tribe of Judah. One person, only one person fits these two descriptions. Jesus. When he breaks this, Jesus stood up when he, he broke the scroll seals, they represent the seven spirits or trumpets 
from Revelation, God will release on the earth that is described later on in the book of Revelation. In the chapters after five, the breaking of the scroll seals results in the activation of the trumpet judgment. God uses these to break Satan's grasp on God's earthly kingdom. This allows God to restore his earthly kingdom to its original pristine, perfect condition, and even more importantly, heals our relationship between ourselves as humans and God. When John looked around, he saw a slain lamb standing among four living creatures and elders. I thought, what, a slain? No, it was Jesus, the spirit of Jesus. It was slain because of the crucifixion. Now the slam, there's something else unusual about the slam. It had seven eyes and seven horns. Seven is, of course, the number of perfection. And the eyes, I looked into it, and the eyes symbolize wisdom and knowledge and are symbolic of God's godly uh, omniscience. They emphasize totality and perfection of his wisdom, knowledge, and insight. Christ had and embodied the containment of all wisdom and knowledge. The seven horns John saw on the Lamb represent perfect power, and if you will, our power in our words is government. The horns represent the large, perfect application of ruling power. That's why they were a power. His perfect ruling power. And the seven, again, indicates the Lamb's power is complete. Seven wasn't only the number of uh, perfection, it meant completion. And I wonder, what about the four living creatures? They represent all of God's creation, living creation. The 24 elders with them represent all of us, the entire Lord's church. They all fell and praised at the Lord's feet with instruments and bowls of, it says incense, but what that really were was all the prayers offered to God. When falling at his feet, they sang a new song. It says new song because it wasn't an old song. The old song, the Lord will, the Lord may, the Lord should. It was already done. He completed his mission. So they updated it to the new song. They fell at the Lord's feet with the bowls of the prayers and the music. They, the thing to notice about all the angels and the elders surrounding the throne it's the location of the throne. It wasn't off in the distance. It wasn't on the right or left side, top or bottom. It was in the center of the activity. It was in the center, which is exactly where we should all have the Lord in our hearts, the center of our beings, the center of our behavior, the center of our activities. That is where the Lord was, in the center. And they... The elders and the angels praise the Lord God forever and ever, and that's exactly what we will and should do. Good job, sir. Good job. We are reminded of the importance of, there's a blessing in Revelation chapter 1 that said, whosoever readeth the book of Revelation shall be blessed. Now, it doesn't say understandeth. It says readeth, and there's a big variance between reading and understanding because there are many things that we don't necessarily understand that we read but through rereading it and I've read the book of Revelation dozens of times I think even at an early age when I was graduating from high school and I was going the route of pre-med and I had considered the, somewhat the ministry or so too 
my mother's best friend, Dorothy Nelson, my mother's best friend, like 50 years ago, 50 years ago gave me this cross, just a small little cross, probably the size of a half dollar or so. She got it through Jostin, Jostin's at the time, and it was um, shaped in the form of a cross, but it, it included microfilm, microfilm. And at that time, it was almost, you know, you couldn't hardly believe that the entire New Testament could be put on microfilm, and that the entire New Testament was included on this, this cross. And for many years, I wore that cross, and there was time where I had lost it, and just miraculously found it again, so I, I don't wear it. But, you know, what mankind can do today, you know, it's just mind-boggling. But I bring to you now these words of God here in, in Scripture that reminds us of a lot of symbolism here at, about seals and trumpets and bowls why God must use these, these seals and these trumpets and bowls are, as a symbol on, on earth's final judgment. People are asking questions, and oftentimes the questions that I've asked are, are questions of judgment upon the world. I, I found it very intriguing and worthy of investigation that in my searching through both um, books I've read and books that I continue to read, I've discovered hardly anyone else has even bothered to discuss it either. In fact, I'm a bit overwhelmed with what the judgments are, but hardly any discuss why these particular symbols, why these symbols are used. I, I was able to find descriptions in many of different books from times past, in the books of Revelation, and I want to lean on some of those along with the Word of God because John Wesley always believed that you always look forward to scripture, tradition, reason, and experience. Why seals? Why seals? Well, books in ancient times came in the form of scrolls. It wasn't until the time of Julius, Julius Caesar, uh, around 30 years before Christ, 30 years before Christ, that books were put into different forms resembling what we come to think of as rectangular, rectangular books we, that we have today. And however, this particular scroll or book contains a title deed, a title deed to, uh, to earth. It was the inheritance that Adam forfeited when he sinned against God. Adam had been in dominion over the earth, according to Genesis chapter 1. But when Adam and Eve willingly disobeyed God, they forfeited um, to Satan the rule and the principalities here upon earth, according to Genesis chapter 3 and in Luke chapter 4, verses 5 through 6. Thus the sealed scroll represents the title deed to the earth that Adam, Adam had lost and God regained, and now in the book of Revelation chapter 5, we, we will be open to the, the rightful, the rightful owner. This is why we see the angel asking the question, who is worthy? Who is worthy to open the book and loose its seals? As Revelation 5 goes on to show, 
only Jesus, only Jesus was able to do so. And Jesus is both God and man, and accordingly is the only one capable and worthy in all of existence, according to Leviticus chapter 25, 23 through 34, or Ruth chapter 4, verses 1 through 12, the follower of, of David and the follower of the prophets and kings. In regarding the, the worthiness, the great Bible scholars, they, they, wonder, they wonderfully point out that in the Gospels, there's four titles, four titles that are given to Jesus. Jesus is the son of David, son of David. Secondly, he's the son of Abraham. Thirdly, he's the son of man. And fourthly, he's the son of, son of God. So as the son of David, he has title. He has title to the throne of David. As the son of Abraham, he has title to the land of Palestine and all included in the royal, royal grant to Abraham. And then thirdly, as the son of man, he has title to the earth and he has title, title to the world. And fourthly, as the son of God, he is the heir, the heir of all things. Now the scroll had, had seven seals, seven seals on it. And as many have pointed out, the number seven represents completion or perfection throughout the Bible. The Bible itself is broken down into how many segments? Major divisions, seven. Seven divisions. There's the, uh, the law and the prophets. And you move into the second division, the, the Psalms. The third section is the Gospels and Acts. Fourth is a the general epistles, the fifth is Pauline epistles, and, and then seventhly, the book of Revelation. And the angel Gabriel gave Daniel's God, God's remaining prophetic timeline for the country of Israel in Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. And he referred to as 70 weeks of seven years or 490 years, seven times 70. In the 69th week ended with the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And the 70th week is still future. Still nothing historically corresponds to the fulfillment of the prophecy in the book of Daniel, these 70 weeks. In the book of Revelation alone that we're studying today, the number seven is used 49 times, seven times seven. This includes only the explicit uses of seven and not any forms of duplication in the same verse. These groups of seven are, are churches, church spirits, their candlesticks, their stars, there's lamps, there's seals, there's horns, there's eyes, there's angels, there's trumpets, thunders, thousand men, crowns, plagues, the vials or, or bowls, mountains and kings. Therefore, we can conclude that these seven seals plus the seven trumpets and the seven bowls equaling 21 judgments, the 21 judgments in the book of Revelation, or it's three, seven times three, represents God's perfect 
or complete series of judgments upon earth. Now what is hidden still is what or how these seven thunders, according to Revelation chapter 10, verses 3 through 4, they figure into the judgments. The first four seals unleashed what we commonly refer to as the four horsemen. I've heard secular news sources utilizing these four horsemen, whether they are aware of them or not, but the four horsemen of the fourth seal into judgment, the first four seals, at least what we commonly refer to as these four horsemen, since the judgments come in the forms of riders on difficult or different colored horses. But all of these seal, these seal judgments, um, seem to find corresponding descriptions in, in Jesus' Olivet, Olivet discourse found in the Synoptic Gospels of Matthew and Mark and Luke. However, this, this discourse and conversation is in, in a strict timeline as it seems to cover all of the overarching components of these 21 judgments. The seal number one, the white horse, the white horse was the arrival of the final world tyrant, the Antichrist. The white horse was to release the, the spirit of the Antichrist, those who are against Christ and those who have no time for religion and religiosity, and we see the prominence in the world today, the tyrants that have no time for God and no conversation for Christ, and they, they, there's that spirit of the Antichrist, but then also the true false Christ or the Antichrist, according to Matthew chapter 24, verses 4 through 5, the false Christ. Secondly, the scriptures in the book of Revelation talks about the red horse. Red horse is the one that peace is taken from the earth, according to Matthew chapter 24, verses 6 through 7, that wars and wars and rumors of wars. And the third horse is the black horse. The black horse, global famines and, and scarcity and food shortages and fires and in droughts in various places, according to Matthew chapter 24, verse, verse 7. And the, the last horse, the fourth horse, is a pale horse, a pale horse which represents that one of the one-fourth, one-fourth, 24 percent of the earth dies, according to Matthew chapter 24, verses 7 through 8. Seal number five is the cry of the martyrs, the martyrs who have been martyred for their faith in Christ, given up their lives for their faith. They did not deny Christ, according to Matthew chapter 24, verses 9 through 13. And seal number six talks about the cosmic, the cosmic disturbances, uh, the great earthquakes, the wrath of the Lord, the lambs, is recognized in Matthew chapter 24, verses 29 through 30. And then seal number seven is the silence, the silence in heaven, for about a half an hour that, and many of you know that heaven is never silent. Nevertheless, the seventh of each judgment, the seventh of each judgment works to introduce the next series of judgments. You may ask about why trumpets? Why trumpets? Trumpets are used for many things in the Bible. They were used as a call to war a call to war, a call to worship. 
It was a call of convocation to the people and the proclamation of the festivals of the year of Jubilee and the festival of tabernacles and also for judgments according to Exodus chapter 19 and Amos chapter 3, 6 and Joshua chapter 6 verses 13 through 16 and Zephaniah chapter 1 verses 14 through 16. And these seven, seven angels prepared themselves to sound. Whereas most of the seal judgments are focused on in both the geographical transformation and culmination of the global population, the trumpets, the trumpet judgments seem to focus initially or physically on transforming, transforming earth. This may have not just been about judgment, but about, about channeling, about a form of channeling or, or limiting, limiting Satan's oppression and, and destruction of things. We know that trumpet number one deals with one third of the vegetation is struck and is consumed by fire. Trumpet number two, these are all one third, 33 and a third percent. Trumpet number two, a third of the seas are struck and and turn to blood. Trumpet number three, a third of the fresh waters for, are struck and, and, and made bitter with wormwood. Trumpet number four is a third of the heavens are struck in destruction. Trumpet number five is demonic activity where locusts, locusts um, from bottomless pit torment humankind for five months, it says in the Trumpet number six is angels from the Euphrates, from, from the Euphrates River are released and kills one third of mankind. These seven thunders are proclaimed, are not written down and when the Euphrates River dries up and, and the lands of the east come down and, and various nations converge on Israel and try to distract destroy Israel. And trumpet number seven is finally the kingdom. The kingdom upon earth here is proclaimed by Jesus Christ. In closing today, I want to just elaborate a bit. I know I've touched on many subjects uh, on the book of Revelation, but I, I, I want to touch on the bowls here a minute or two. Why bowls or vials, bowls or vials? Well, the last series of seven judgments are, are the full measure of God's wrath being poured out on increasingly recalcent, recalcent or hardcore humankind that have be, been, become so recalcent and hardened to the things of God. And these judgments must either be of short, I believe short duration, or they, they will come right before the end some are so severe, humankind could not long survive if they were not short. And why, and why does bowls, why bowls or vials instead of, of, say, barrels or buckets, like the seals and the trumpets, bowls are of those of human tools, human tools that are common throughout all of man's epochs and times. There's always been some form of seal to cover the contents of a parchment since the leather or the, the papyrus, 
parchments. There has always been some form of metal, metal horns, according to Genesis chapter 4, used to announce and to make music. And similarly, the bowl or the vial is one of the most basic of tools common to every age and in culture and nation. This is also why, why God doesn't use an iPod, a keyboard, a blender for these symbols, as they would have only made sense in this last, last generation. Everyone can picture a bowl overflowing, and here we get a glimpse of God's wrath of overflow of these bowls to pour out upon the earth. Bowl number one is the loathsome sores on those who bear the mark of the beast. Bowl number two is the rest of the seas are turned to blood. Bowl number three is all freshwater sources turned to blood. Bowl number four, men and women, boys and girls, are scorched by the sun and its heat. Bowl number five is the painful darkness, the darkness that depend, descends upon the beast's kingdom. Bowl number six is the Euphrates River dries up, opening the way for the kings of the east to, to join in the battle of Armageddon. Bowl number seven is the greatest earthquake in history, utterly shakes the earth and drastically alters earth's geography. Jerusalem is divided into three, three parts. Every island disappears into the seas of blood and hailstones plummet the earth. Father, this morning, we've just touched on the basic overview, overview of why God uses the seal and the, the trumpet and the bowl to convey his great displeasure and wrath with the wickedness of a fallen creation. Glory be to God that we, the church, will not be here to experience it. Jesus stated, the final seven years will be the worst period of time all of human history. And if Jesus didn't personally intervene, there would be no flesh left to be saved. Even so, Maranatha, Maranatha means come Lord Jesus, come Lord Jesus. Father, with every head bowed and every eye closed, and we as Christians in prayer, we seek your kingdom, we seek your knowledge, we seek your discernment. We are living in troublous times. If the dead in Christ were to come back, even just in the last year or two, they would wonder how in the world did these things come about. And we see things coming about from day to day that we can hardly imagine. Political parties standing for various things. The slaughter of little children, babies, the innocent, euthanasia, how public opinion is turned on, on Israel and the Jewish people. And the Holocaust, Father, as we close in prayer, may all of us pray together, dear Jesus, I thank you, O Lord, for forgiving my sins. Come into my heart and life. Give me a discerning spirit in the times we live in. Baptize me, O Lord, with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. We do appreciate all your thoughts and your prayers, your financial gifts. And as we turn to our offertory prayer, let us pray this prayer together in agreement before we turn to our offertory hymn. 
patient and merciful God, we hear your call to live in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. Our ears hear these words in our worship. Our minds know what they mean. Our hearts long to follow them. But we know that tomorrow we will be tempted to slip into the familiar life where we ourselves are at the center of our world and the needs we focus on are almost entirely our own. In our giving this day, help us strengthen our resolve to love as Christ loves. For it is in the name of Jesus that we pray, amen. Let us turn now to our offertory hymn, Guide Me, O Thou Great Jehovah, purple hymn number 127, please. you stand for the doxology, please?
Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, mighty and all-knowing God who sees us as we are and as we might become, what offering can we give that we will bring you joy? We have brought gifts this morning that you might dedicate them to the work of caring and compassion in our neighborhoods and in our nations and throughout the world. Yet all the money we have can't accomplish what you can make happen if we simply let Christ dwell in our hearts. Not for an hour on Sundays, but every hour of every day. This is the offering we dedicate this day. In Christ, our Redeemer, we pray. Amen. Again, it's so great to see Martha, and she was going to keep it, let a little baby keep her home. She's going to bring that baby, and just as Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man, I just really believe that the Spirit of God rubs off on pregnant women and early little little ones too. Do we have any announcements this morning that any would like? It's you know, I don't I didn't completely get all that. I don't know if others say it about half speed. comfortable coming Martha and would you like to lead off there in prayer Martha comes Martha what's the baby's little name are the little babies honor h-o-n-o-r hallelujah yes father yes Lord Yes, Father, we just want to thank you that this child will grow as Jesus did in wisdom and stature and favor with God and all of humanity. Bless this and this great grandmother that she just nurtured. We think of the Mary and the Martha, the Bible, and we thank you that this modern-day Martha is just a, a real a saint of God, and we thank you for bringing her back to us safely and and she's nurturing her children and her grandchildren, and she's such an encouragement to this body. In Jesus' name, amen.